Welcome to the Genie Podcast. I'm Grant Bruner, and with me today is Thomas McKenty. How are you, Thomas? I'm doing great, Grant. Just got back from Jamboree and fully recovered and uh, ready to talk genealogy today. Oh, yeah. Me and a bunch of folks from Genie were there. It was great. Uh, Genie and Genia bloggers put on a ice cream social for a bunch of genealogy bloggers. It was great to see everybody there, including you, Thomas. We had a wonderful time, and we can't wait to do more things like that in the future. What are your thoughts on the conference, Thomas? It was great. No, it was great. It was really nice. You know, at a lot of these conferences, you're attending sessions, uh, you're going here and there, and it's nice to have these social events where you can sit down and network with other genealogists. And I know the genealogy bloggers really appreciated uh, Genie.com sponsoring this event. It gave us more time to just, you know, learn about what we're researching, what what our surnames are and things like that. I thought it was a wonderful event. Yeah, it was a great way to give back to the bloggers because we, you know, we at Genie feel that bloggers are a really, really important part of the genealogy community. So we look forward to doing a lot more stuff like that in the future with them. So let's jump right into today's topic. I like to call today's topic securing your genealogy. Um, I, it's really important that you keep everything intact so I want to talk to you about making sure all the work that you know all these genealogists do, I want to make sure that it's safe and uh, they're not going to lose anything. So let's start off with the actual physical objects. How should a genealogist preserve the original documents and photos you know, for future generations to view? You know, it's, it's great to have the digital copies. I mean, it's wonderful. That way you can share it with people. But uh, actually having and holding the original document, you know, here is the original birth certificate of my third great-grandfather, something like that. Uh, it has a strong emotional value to it. So how do you go about preserving that so it doesn't get lost? Well, this is happening more and more. I think as, uh, you know, as uh, our parents sort of uh, move on in life, uh, maybe they downsize to smaller places, they're cleaning out their basements and attics, and they throw a box at you, and they say, here, here are old pictures and old letters. And while it is a gold mine, it really is a responsibility so for me, preserving documents and photos, it's getting a lot more attention these days, uh, not only because the technology has improved that we can use to preserve these items, but there's a better awareness of what constitutes proper archival procedures, uh, which is very important. Uh, I remember that during my time and before my time, photos were mounted uh on paper, on scrapbooks, in albums, newspaper clippings as well. We would use things like glue or cellophane tape or, God forbid, those awful magnetic albums and, and you know, that had a clear cellophane sheet over them, and they were very popular in the 1970s. Now the problem is try to remove those items without damaging the original article. This is a way that I look at preserving letters, photos, and other items that over time. I take a three-step approach which I call scan, stabilize, and store. First thing is you scan the item and create a digital copy. You can do that with a scanner. The Flip House scanner is very popular right now, which is a handheld device, a flatbed scanner. You could have a service do them, believe it or not. Uh, places like Walgreens, Walmart, Costco, they will scan photos now uh, in certain items. So there are many ways to do that, even a, even a camera, digital camera. Uh, people are using as well. So that's the scan portion. Second is stabilize. What you want to do is stabilize the actual item using archi archival paper, albums, other materials that are acid-free, uh, that don't use glues or tapes, that make sure that you preserve that item for posterity. And then third is store 
the items. And when I say store, I mean both the digital copy and the original document. For the digital copy, you want to make sure it's secure on both a hard drive and perhaps off-site in a data cloud or a website like genie.com. And then for the actual item, is you want to make sure it's safe and protected from the elements like water or fire so it can't be damaged. That's really important to note here. I mean, it's not just saving the documents from aging. You're also saving the documents in case something bad happens. Like, what if your house burnt down? you got, you got to think about things like that. I mean, it's really important. Exactly. And so, now, if it, it can get very confusing as to what are the proper resources for archival supplies. Uh, a lot of people worry that they're not using uh, the right materials. I now know that a Tupperware or Rubbermaid big container is not the best because of the chemicals that come out of that material. And, and it is a learning process, but if you really want to learn, one site I really recommend is the Practical Archivist at uh, practicalarchivist.com. Uh, the woman who runs it is Sally Jacobs up in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. She's got great advice. She also has links to a lot of places online where you can buy the archival supplies. And uh, to me, she's my authority on archival practices, and that's really the place that I go for that information. So, Thomas, what should I know about, you know, actually scanning the documents and photos, you know, so you can share them with the family? You know, is there a right way? Or, you know, more importantly, you know, is there a wrong way to do it? Or, you I mean, is, can you go about scanning documents poorly? Yes, you can do it wrong, believe it or not. Uh, and, and I did it wrong when I started out, just like citing my sources 20 years ago when I said, oh, I don't care about citing my sources. You know, it's been a learning process. Luckily, there are some ways now where you don't have to follow my mistakes and the mistakes of others. There are actually best practices when it comes to digitizing and scanning your old letters and photos. And to me, the best way to learn is to watch others and ask questions. Now, most of us, Grant, we don't have the luxury of having someone close by to do this for us. We don't have an expert in authority locally where we can go and do this, but there is an online community that meets every month to scan family heirlooms. It's called ScanFest. Now, there's a hyperlink that will be published in the episode notes, but if you search for ScanFest on Google, you'll get that information. They meet the last Saturday of every month. They meet from 1 to 4 Chicago time. I think it's 11 a.m. to 2 p.m. Pacific time. Uh, and basically, it's an online chat room where, you know, people talk about different scanning procedures. They ask a lot of questions. This is where I learned that you should scan at a 300 DPI or dots per inch minimum, that if you're scanning below that, you're really wasting your time and also that you should save your file into a TIFF format, T-I-F-F, for the best resolution, and then make a copy of that into JPEG, because JPEGs cannot be reconstituted in terms of resolution. Once you save as a JPEG, then you can't convert it back to a TIFF and get the original resolution. See, these are things that I all learned, I learned all from ScanFest. The, the participants are great, and the people in ScanFest you would probably know from following their blogs and websites. Uh, Randy Stever is there. Uh, Miriam uh, Midkip Robbins is there. A, a lot of people, uh, even Sally Jacobs, who I just mentioned, joins them. And this is what I love about it. You can chat with your colleagues. It's a safe environment. There are no stupid questions. Uh, everyone has a great time. You pick up a lot of neat tricks. Here's one. Did you know that you can use dental floss to remove photos from those awful sticky magnetic albums? I had never thought of that. 
but that is something. The other thing is someone said, why even remove them? Why not just put it on the scanner, the whole page, and just scan the page? And see, these are the things that you pick up by working and collaborating with a community of other people dedicated to digitizing, scanning their photos and letters. You know, having a good digital copy is so important. You know, you, you should listen to these people who've gone through and done this time after time. They have all this great knowledge base. You know, they've experienced all this hassle that you don't have to go through. The genealogy bloggers are a, a wonderful resource, and it's free. I mean, going and reading someone's blog or going to the ScanFest and talking to people, it's free. It's a great resource. If you're into genealogy, you need to be using this resource. It will make everything you do so much better. And, you know, you said cloud before, Thomas, and I'm sure there's a few people out there listening to this podcast who don't really understand what cloud means, cloud computing means. Um, if you can kind of give an overview of what that means and, you know, the the canonical question is, should I keep my tree in the cloud? And then, obviously, from a genie perspective, that's a really important question. Well, the concept of cloud computing, you're hearing it now on commercials, you're hearing it in the media you can't get away from the term. I think every day I see it somewhere on the Internet. Uh, it's a concept of storing your data online using a website such as Genie, uh, and it's becoming a lot more popular. There are a lot of people that are still hesitant about placing such personal information, which really that's what genealogy research is, and they're a little bit hesitant about putting it up at these sites. So I want to point out that collaboration sites such as Genie, they make sense in terms of storing your data up there for several reasons. Now, this is to me, this is the most important one. Your data is safe in case your computer is lost or stolen. Uh, worse yet, what if your home is hit by a fire, a flood, or a tornado? We just had tornado sirens go off here in Chicago last night. You know, so that's what I always think. Oh, where's my data? Oh, luckily it's up at Genie. It's up at other sites as well. And also, your data is totally portable. You can travel to the Family History Library and log in with a netbook or log in online and get access to your data. Also, the neat thing is you can, you can share that data with your family. So you can invite Cousin Ruthie to join you on Genie, and you'd really be surprised by inviting, especially some of your older relatives, what new information and new insights they can lend to the information that you already have. Uh, this way, you're not sending them stuff in the mail. You're not emailing them information. It's all self-serve. You're saying, hey, Cousin Ruthie, go here to mytreeongenie.com and look at the information I have. And it becomes a collaborative product. And then also, there are neat new applications such as AncestorSync. And they're at ancestorsync.com forward slash beta. And pretty soon, you'll be able to synchronize your genealogy data stored on your computer with your genie.com data. And that's what I'm excited about uh, because this way I'm not do replicating the wheel. Uh, I want as less, the less work, the better in terms of me having to copy data over and over again. So the other thing is also people ask about security. Is it safe? Is it secure? My recommendation is you should just use the same guidelines you do when surfing the web or checking email. Make sure you know the people that want access to your tree or that you're sharing it with. Make sure you understand the privacy features at any website like genie.com. This is your responsibility. Uh, really, I have, I have more of a fear of someone stealing something off of my hard drive from my netbook if I were to leave it, you know, or lose it, 
than if I, someone getting into my Genie account. That's the way I look at it. I think it's much more secure than actually what's on my own computer. That's a great point, Thomas. And Genie takes privacy very, very seriously. If you go to Genie.com slash company slash privacy, you'll have a full understanding of how privacy works on Genie and how important it is to us. Now, okay, Thomas, you have all your information. You've, you've done all this research. You've done all, you have all this documentation. How do you go about backing it up? I mean, what's the process? It, it, isn't, it isn't easy, but there's more of an awareness, and actually the genealogy community uh, has really over the past two or three years started to focus on this. So in the, in the beginning of this uh, podcast, we discussed preserving documents and photos, and they, we had a three-step approach there. Now there's also a three-step approach that I advocate for backing up your data. You're going to have your original data. You're going to make a physical copy then you're going to have an online or a cloud copy. So those are the three points. Original data is what's on your computer, usually in your genealogy database program, uh, and your research logs, your images of records, your scanned photographs, anything like that. Those are your original records. They usually reside on your hard drive on your computer. I try and make sure it's well-organized, easy to get to. Uh, if your genealogy database program prompts you to create a backup, please create a backup. Don't put it off. It's one of those things that where you don't know what's going to happen tomorrow, and I've seen that happen too many times. On the flip side, I've had people come to me and say, thank you for advocating backing up because my hard drive just crashed last week, and if I hadn't done this, you know, I would not have my backup. So create the backup when you're asked better protected against data loss. Now, that's the original data on your computer. The physical copy means taking that original data and making a copy to a CD, a DVD, uh, maybe a flash drive, or an external hard drive. I have a 250-gig, gigabyte hard drive that I use. And the nice thing about mine is it's pocket size. If there's ever a fire or, or a disaster, I can take it and put it in a fire safe or take it with me. And so basically, you want a copy that exists on physical media outside of your computer. So also, don't limit yourself to one method. Many people copy to an external hard drive, maybe on a weekly basis, and they copy to a flash drive or a DVD on a monthly basis. Uh, you develop a system that works for you. If it's not going to work for you, you're not going to follow it. You're not going to follow the schedule. In addition, another layer of security is just what I mentioned placing that media, that CD or that flash drive in a safe or a firebox. This way, if there is, uh, if you know that you're susceptible, I'd say that, uh, to, to uh, tornadoes or wildfires or hurricanes, you know that you're covered. So finally, the third step is online copy or a cloud copy. And this is what we just talked about. Some people think cloud uh, computing or cloud copies are only Dropbox or Carbonite, but no, think of programs like Genie.com. Genie.com is a great way, especially now that we've got Ancestor Sync, to basically have your information up on Genie as a portable data site for your genealogy data. I want to point out, Grant, that in terms of backing up, if you want to learn more, and there is uh, the resources for backing up your data over at Genia Bloggers. If you go to GeniaBloggers.com, click on Block Resources in the upper left corner, then there's an entry there that says Resources for, for Backing Up Your Data. Uh, don't forget that the first day of every month, and we're coming up on July 1st, we've designated it in the genealogy community as Data Backup Day. 
So you will see a lot of news, a lot of blog posts. We're all over Twitter. We're all over Facebook saying, don't forget to back up your data. And these are the reminders that people rely upon and have really saved a lot of people. Usually we'll hear weeks or months later, you know, when you, you know, they'll say, Thomas, you know, when you advocated backing up, I did. And I'm lucky I did because I only lost three days worth of work, et cetera. So get in the habit of the first day of every month. Oh, it's data backup date. Let me back up my data. You know, it's really interesting. And, and here's a good way to think about backing up. How much data are you willing to lose? And that should be how long in between backups. If you're willing to lose one day of work, then you should back up every day. If you're willing to lose a week, then you back up once a week. So, Thomas, where can people go to find out more information about you? Well, I, I've got, uh, you know, I'm back back in the saddle now after Jamboree, and uh, a few things that are going on. Genie Blockers Radio is uh, back up and running. We had a very good show last Friday on Emancipation Records, and uh, this week we're doing an episode on blended families and adoption records, which is going to be very exciting. So, Genie Bloggers Radio, you can catch at www.blogtalkradio.com forward slash Genia Bloggers. It is based on the internet, so it's not on a regular radio. You have to be on your on the internet somehow, and you can use your speakers or a headphone to listen. And we broadcast from 9 p.m. to 10:30 Central every Friday. The other thing I've got going on, and I want to remind people, there's the Great Illinois Genealogy Scavenger Hunt that is put on by the Illinois State Genealogical Society and Family Search. And we've been giving away some great prizes on a week on a daily basis. And unfortunately we need more and more people to enter. So if you would go to ilgensoc.org, I L G E N S O C dot org and look for Genealogy Scavenger Hunt and follow the directions there. All you have to do is submit just one hyperlink related to Illinois genealogy and you could actually win some pretty neat prizes. The grand prize is a Roots Tech 2012 registration. And for that, you would have to write maybe a two- or three-line paragraph about some segment of Illinois research, genealogy research with a hyperlink, but you could win. That's $150 value. So those are my two big projects right now going on, Grant. That sounds great. And just to reiterate, please, please back up your genealogy. Um, the last thing you want is for anything to get lost. It would be it would be absolutely heartbreaking if you know you put in all this work and and everything gets lost. That would be it would be, uh, be bad news. So thank you very much for your time, Thomas, and for the Genie Podcast. I'm Grant Bruner. Thanks for listening and have a good one.